up, mamas? It's Tanika Ray. I was a television host for 20 years before my entire life blew up when I had a baby. Shifting gears from red carpets to a gig called mom required a whole new game plan. The carefree, globe-trotting boss babe me was suddenly in search of a mommy tribe to help me navigate the inevitable fumbles and fails of raising a kid. Mama Stay with Tanika Ray is a sanctuary for the mommy collective, where we amplify our self-love and self-care, trade tips on raising conscious kids, help each other fine-tune our boundaries, and celebrate the highs while forgiving ourselves for the lows in the wild, 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 wild world of mommying AF. It was a beautiful, beautiful afternoon. Thank you so much for jumping in and going with the flow. You were fantastic. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. It was very magical. It was a magical afternoon next to that tree that was hundreds of years old and just the drums and and the girls dressed, you know, like their moms and your daughter is just phenomenal. So thank you. It was a magical afternoon. Just understanding getting back to our roots and appreciating, you know, each other in that environment and having the safe space. It's definitely needed. It's something that I didn't have as a little girl and I would have certainly have appreciated it. Well, none of us did. We were, well, I don't know how old you are, but I was, I'm a generation where it was coming out of civil rights. Our parents came out of civil rights and they were sort of seduced by this idea. If we just acclimate, we'll be accepted. We all know that's a bunch of bullshit. (laughs) But that's what we really thought. We as a collective, we really thought, well, if we just go to their colleges, we get those degrees, we work at their, we speak like them, we talk like them, we act like them, we live in their same neighborhoods, that suddenly somehow hate would not exist. And it's just, it's to the core for whatever reason. Yeah, it's not true. And we're not, we're no longer in that generation of do as I say, not as I do. When I think about parenting, and one of the things that I didn't implement as a mom was that concept, because I always felt like, well, I I wanted to question, you know, why are you doing that and understand the, the reason behind it. And when you hear no explanation, just do as I say, not as I do, then it doesn't allow the child to fully develop. And understand consequences and actions and any of that. And as a mom, I can tell you because my oldest is 18 and my youngest is 13. And they both are private school for an extended period of time up until junior high. And then I decided they needed to be acclimated into public high school for social reasons. The curriculum is something that I've always had a problem with because it's not the truth. I lived in Texas for four years, and it was right around the time where Texas was changing their textbooks to change, you know, where it's no longer considered slavery, indentured servants. And there was this whole thing. Right. But as a mom, intuitively, I knew that I had to take on the responsibility of educating my sons because I knew that they were never going to do it because I myself learned about our history and our culture It wasn't until I was in college and I felt like that was way too long for me to get a sense of my own identity, my my own sense of self. So at 12 and 13, I had my son reading from the Browder files. They came before Columbus. 
different books that were books that he would never be exposed to and just telling him about black authors and black accomplishments and black inventors and saying, well, you know, who invented the stoplight? Who invented all these things? And he would question like, why am I never learning any of this in school? And African-American contributions to society, it's everywhere. Like there's this poem called Black History is World History that I used to read growing up. And it's, it's so true because we've continued to contribute to society from the origin back in ancient Kemet up until now. And it's not a matter of us complaining or saying we don't deserve these things or we don't want to work for them because we clearly have worked for them. And it's like, you know, with these artists, right. And the whole concept of crypto and NFTs, right. And all this stuff that's booming, it's, it's finally so that artists can get the credit and the recognition that they deserve because no one wants to feel like their work has been stolen or taken from them. So when you have a people where that's continuously being done to, you don't want your child to go into a system that perpetuates that narrative. So, you know, as a mom, we just have to take the power into our own hands and teach our children. And you're doing a phenomenal job. Your daughter's amazing. Hey, sis. Hey. Okay, so tell me how to say your full name. So I love Ra, which is son. Mm-hmm. Satra Anuket. Satra Anuket. And Satra means? So Satra actually means daughter of the king, daughter to the most high. I actually went through a spiritual awakening in 2016 where, you know, I started studying all different kinds of religions. Like I went in the Bible and I learned about this person named Malachanezi or Malik, not Malachi, but, and I asked my mom, I'm like, oh, who's that? She goes, oh, that was Jesus before Jesus. And I was like, wait, there was a Jesus before Jesus. (laughs) And I was like, well, what if I was born in Pakistan because my father is from Pakistan? And she goes, oh, well, you know, a lot of Christians say like, if you never know Christ and you still will go to heaven. And I'm like, wow, there's, there's all these weird, interesting things going on when it comes to religion. So I started to study all the religions. I had learned, you know, that Queen was going to, to Kemet and I hadn't really known who Queen of Fool was. I hadn't read the book, but my sis had told me about her. You know, I was traveling internationally for business at the time, you know, with my career. And I was like, I want to go to Kemet. I've never been I went by myself, <laughs> didn't know anybody. Really? Yeah, just that the day that I arrived, literally Queen got off the plane and like sat right next to me and like talked to me as if she knew me for 30 years. And I was like, wait, Queen of Fool is sitting right next to me, just having a conversation about being tired. <laughs> like, hey, hold on, hold on. Oh my God, I have goosebumps. You just decided one day to go mm-hmm. to Africa. Yep. You get there. And unbeknownst to you, Queen Afua also arrives to Africa. Well, I, I went with the, uh, the group that she was going with. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't expect for her to get off the plane and just sit right next to me, you know. So it was a, it was a great experience. And I met so many great, wonderful people. It was there where I, I started to learn so much more. And it just, it, it was like a like a click had went off, right? You know how you, you intuitively know certain things and you feel a certain way, but just seeing the information on the walls and learning about our history and what we've contributed to society, it was just a blessing. So that was the beginning of, of, of a lot. (laughs) 
I've heard this spiritual awakening a lot. Mm -hmm. And I always wonder, do you feel this shift in your body or is it just in your mind? Do you see things differently or things, do things make sense that previously didn't make sense? Do you no longer have the same taste for the same food? Like what does a spiritual awakening for our audience out there that are waking up right now? What are we to expect from a spiritual awakening? I guess a lot of people say it would be like the presence of the Holy Spirit, where there is a light, there's something in your body that has a a heightened sense of awareness. And all of your senses, for me at least, you know, were just amplified. So I became more aware and more attuned. And when I started to hear different things that I may have accepted in the past, you know, like religion or even like that bad relationship that I was in and the guy that was just always lying to me. Somehow my intuition was a little stronger and I started to question it just a little more. And I would like itch and itch more and more towards the truth, which then led me to ask, okay, religion, all of this stuff is just made up, right? Like, I don't know what to believe. I'm angry about this. I feel this. I feel that. So I then asked, you know, if there were any law that I were to follow, because laws can be changed and manipulated by man, what would that law be? And of course, you know, it would be something written in the stars, you know, astrology. So I started to get deeper, deeper into just understanding things that could not be changed. And then it was then I learned about the seven universal laws and how they govern everything in the universe and all of existence and how I had been using them for years especially in my parenting, when it came to my boys. And I would say the, the, the laws that I used with them were mentalism, which is the first law. And that's the power of word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. So if our word, the very thing that we speak and everything is in the mind, that's the concept of mentalism is that it's all in the mind. Every morning when I would drop my son off for school, I would let him know you can do all things that through you who strengthens you, that you are amazing, you're powerful. I would constantly fill him with words of affirmation as he was growing up so that his internal dialogue, his internal narrative wasn't, what are you doing? Why didn't you do that? You know, that's not good enough. It was always, you're great, you're amazing, you're going to figure it out. And then also understanding cause and effect. You were saying earlier, We're not the generation of parenting where it's do as I say, not as I do anymore, because I saw the cause and the effect of that. So now I get to parent all the ways that I felt as a child that my mom, my grandmother, you know, they were doing the best that they could because they were in a generation of just conformity. But now that I have this responsibility, how can I honorably pass the torch forward to my DNA, to my children so that they can be even greater than, than what I'll ever be. Mm. So how would you advise people of the mama's day community who haven't had a spiritual awakening? How can they start to open their eyes, reveal the truth, feel safe in that jump off the cliff out of the matrix into self-reliance, self-control, self-connection with universe, how? That would first start, and this would be like a mommy must have for me. And that time to myself, for myself, to allow myself to fully ground and connect into my own being. 
I think that grounding, because we're all energetic beings, right? Everything is energy. So spend time in nature. Don't be on your phone. Don't quiet, try to quiet and settle your mind or just observe your mind. There's so many guided meditations out there. But yeah, grounding, actually putting, planting your feet into the earth. I think that's how we can begin to to stay more connected with ourselves. And that's how we can begin to to clear things out as we ground our beings. There are so many books out there that you have read, that I have read, that can help people on a journey. Do you have any suggestions for people? Well, I'm going to be a little biased. And of course... (laughs) Say my book, it's entitled From Fear to Freedom. It's utilizing the seven universal laws to shift your mindsets, habits, and behaviors. And in that book, I quote a lot of great authors, such as Queen Afua, as well as Don Miguel Ruiz, Dr. Joe Dispenza, David Ducandi, about he has a book called A Happy Pocket Full of Money, Eckhart Tolle. I mean, I could go on Gary Zukoff, <laughs> like There's so many great books um, out there, but yeah, you know, as you begin to peel back the layers of the onion, just know that you're not alone, that there are people here ready to welcome you with open and loving arms. And this is the beginning of us creating heaven on earth. Your spiritual awakening was 2016. Oh, it's around the same time we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. However, your kids are 18 and 13. So Did you shift the way you mothered or how did you approach mothering from the get and who were your greatest inspirations? From the get, I always parented them in that way, but I got a lot of riff for doing it that way. Like I didn't want my son to have sweets at a certain age and my my own mother would fight that against me, right? Well, you can't tell us the mom, I came from you, but he came from me. So I, I really had to learn how to affirm myself and my own voice, you know, at that time, because it was just within me. My greatest inspiration, I would have to say, would be my grandmothers, because I had very two different grandmothers. I had one that was very spiritual and she was a Christian, practically vegan, ate perfectly, didn't cuss holier than now. Right. And then I had another grandmother who drank, smoked, cussed you out in a heartbeat, (laughs) would tell you like it is, didn't know, didn't care how you even felt about it. As I got older, I realized that I had two examples of like the perfect balance of, you know, what to be and what not to be. And I became a, a mixture between both. So yeah, it was just always something that was within me. And I knew, you know, as a result of the examples that I got from my own upbringing or my own experiences of hearing do as I say or not as I do, or witnessing my mom be in certain types of relationships or, you know, certain parenting styles that she had, I just knew that I didn't want to be that way as a mom. So I wanted to try something differently. And I didn't know what that was. I just knew it wasn't that. How do you describe the way that you were mothered? So it's interesting because my mom, she was in an abusive relationship. My father physically abused her. He had schizophrenia. He put her in the hospital. We were in shelters. Yeah, it was it was very difficult for her, you know, as a as a battered mom, you know, raising three children as a single mother, fearing for her life at the same time. So there in a lot of ways, my mom was removed. She got really heavily into religion. So, you know, when it came to school, she wasn't as involved. 
you know, I don't even know how I made it to college <laughs> because my mom didn't necessarily ask me, you know, about my grades or my homework or anything. And it wasn't because she didn't love me. It was just because she had her own inner things to deal with. And then when, when I was 14, she got into another uh, abusive relationship where my stepfather is verbally abusive, extremely controlling. Like my mom doesn't attend any of our family events. We don't really go over there because if she does come and visit us, like he's calling her like crazy. She has to leave. She has to leave before dark. So it's, it's just this whole thing, right, with my mom. And I've had to come to terms with that and accept that that's her journey and her life. So with all those examples, um, it just allowed me to to take my experience and push it forward for my children and knowing what I didn't want for them to have to experience. I have so much empathy for your story. I get it. And I really, truly know that we either replicate how we were mothered or we just tread off on a new new direction. On faith, we gather little tidbits and tricks and tips along the way until we can make a beautiful picture of what mommying, what we wanted our mommying to be. And we pass that down, which is breaking those generational traumas, breaking those curses. So once again, the world of Mama Stay, the Mama Stay Collective is about that. We are not about carrying on the handed down trauma because our mothers didn't deal with it or they didn't make different decisions. And I I will add to this because it's one key element that's extremely important. My son, my firstborn, so when I became a mom, he taught me how to be a woman because children are blank canvases, right? But they also come with this inner knowing and this inner identity because they know what they want, what they don't want. They know that when they don't listen, because they don't want to do that. So I allowed him to be the being that he is. And when he would question me and we would actually have conversation about decisions and I respect and I value his opinion. And that was a start for me because it wasn't it was something that was foreign to my relationship that I had with my mom because we didn't have those kinds of conversations because she didn't have those kinds of conversations. I'm telling you, it's the key. I am an advocate for conscious parenting. I'm a huge fan of Dr. Shafali. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but what you're describing is conscious parenting. It's the first time I heard a term around it, or I don't know, is there another term for it? Whatever you're describing or however anybody listening is receiving it, it is being present. It is understanding that your children come here perfectly formed and and perfectly divine already that they do have this inner knowing they know unapologetically it's so simple. And then we, as parents, complicated adults, we try to make them change to fit into societal norms, make them change because it's not the cool thing to do, or it's not the right thing to do. And we fuck up our kids instead of just letting them choose and letting them stay true to what they already know. That is the kind of mothering that I support, that I promote, because I've always said it. First of all, I never wanted to be a mom. I say it every single time. It wasn't my dream to be a mother. God had a different plan and I surrendered to it. So in this, okay, God, this is what we're doing now. Cool, cool. I knew that I had to listen to my child because I was never listened to. 
I knew that I had to allow her to make some decisions because I wasn't allowed to make decisions. I knew that I was going to allow her to figure out when she was full, not force her to eat the whole thing. Like, how dumb is that? I don't even know why. Like, it's 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 promoting gluttony. Like, like. but it's it's not just what it does is it knocks your internal meter for fullness off kilter. So I had eating disorders and anorexia and bulimia because I didn't know when I was full. It's so primal. Wow. Fullness. It's an instinct. Your stomach knows. Your stomach knows. Now my daughter, again, like you, raised vegetarian. I was put on what's not rooted in capitalism is me taking care of myself. Me researching, gathering information, investing in myself. That I can do for free. And that's the most powerful form of currency that you could give to yourself and the most liberating thing that you can do is to free your mind. As Ginger DeClue says, and she was in a couple episodes ago, she was sick. She healed her own body by basically shunning the medical industry, going on strict fruit detoxes, becoming an iridologist. She's amazing to follow. She's like, oh, you see this in the eye? That means the liver's tax. That means the gallstones. That, I mean, the information, I'll send her to you. Okay, I'm definitely gonna have to follow. The information that we can glean, our body is always talking to us. Communicates everything. Your five must-haves, non-negotiables with your kids. My five must-haves non-negotiable is to tell the truth at all times. The truth will actually set you free, literally. So if you tell me the truth, you're all, you're removed and free in the clear from getting in trouble. I don't care how bad it is. You tell me the truth, you won't get in trouble. Now we're going to have a conversation about it, but you're not in trouble. You're not getting on discipline in that way. The second thing would be that they have their own responsibilities and chores, right? So that they clean their room, wash their clothes. I know some some moms, you know, they'll do that for their children up until a certain age. But yeah, as, as, if you can learn how to press a button and play an iPad, you can learn how to start a washing machine and sort colors. You learn colors when you were in preschool. <laughs> At least separate the clothes for me, you know? Um, yes. So that would be number two. Number three would be never speak bad about yourself. You know, never say that you can't do something, say that you are trying to learn it, that you don't understand at this moment and it's difficult for you, but don't say that you're unable to do anything because you can do everything. Four would be to always speak your truth and um, do that wholeheartedly, intently and unapologetically. And five, because I have boys, because I'm raising two black men to cry, that it is okay to cry and to express your emotions and that mommy is always going to be a place for comfort and that you can always cry and express that to me, no matter how old you are, no matter what's going on in your life, you definitely are allowed to cry. And it's, that doesn't make you a, a punk, you know, doesn't make you weak. It makes you someone who feels and expresses emotions. 
Oh, that was so good. The cry almost made me cry. So good. Advice I would give a new mom. Advice I would give a new mom would be to trust your intuition and trust your instincts. No matter what, you know what's right for you and you know what's right for your child. No matter what your mom tells you, no matter what your cousin, your auntie, your grandma, no matter what they did, you have the right because you created this being and they came through you and you're responsible for them. So, And you wouldn't be handed that responsibility if you weren't ready. But take it on fully 360, toes to head and back down to the toes, right? It's a spiritual transformation within itself. It is. It is. How did you discuss the Will Smith Oscar incident with your boys? Or did you not? I did. And I told them that that was a result of a lot of pent up aggression and anger, that it had nothing to do with Chris Rock that it wasn't appropriate, obviously, for that to have happened. However, this is what happens when things go under the rug. This is what happens when you don't address your emotions. This is what happens when you don't allow yourself to process through things. You can have these types of moments. And then this is the cause and the effect, right? So now he's going to have to deal with the effects of that situation. So yeah, it's it's a lot of those un- uncomfortable conversations I'm having to have with them these past couple of years. You know, Will Smith, George Floyd, even the whole COVID, you know, thing. And th- I mean, it's so it's like one thing after the next, but it definitely creates an opportunity for them to see real time and like what can happen to people if we don't do the inner work. If we don't work on ourselves, then it's going to come out into everything in it, around us and into our lives. Absolutely. Thanks for hanging out, Mama. I know how little time we have in our day to honor ourselves, and I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. Make sure you click like, rate, and subscribe. I'd love to hear what you think about today's show and what you want to hear going forward. Remember, mommying is a gift, and you're doing a kick-ass job. So, Woosah and Mama Stay.